Let's pray. Take a moment and in your own hearts, answer the question, where is it that you need that unchangeable, unshakable God today? Where is it that you need more of him than you have? And maybe he needs more of you than he has. Name that place where you need God to be God for you. Father God, I pray that it's at that very place that you'll speak your word, your truth, your wisdom, your power, your encouragement, even your conviction into our lives. When we leave, Father, may you be the bread of life for us on a level we've never experienced before. May we be marked by the truth that we will encounter this day. And may we leave with the encouragement and hope that Jesus alone offers. I pray that for me. I pray that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be following the news that on Tuesday, Captain Kirk is going back into space. So you're familiar, obviously, with Captain James T. Kirk and the Star Trek show. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So there was a decade called the 60s, the 1960s. They had television back in the day. They had three channels, and on one of them was Star Trek. And uh, Captain James T. Kirk was the captain of that mythical vessel. Now, on Tuesday, at the age of 90, he's going into space. He's going up on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, be the second time they're doing this, and he will be going up on that vessel at the age of 90, which is kind of cool. He says he's terrified. I understand that. I would be as well. Well, here's why Star Trek, 50 years later, still resonates. Here's what the narrator said. Some of you remember every time the show began. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Now, the show didn't really do that very well, but we all want that. We all want to be more than we are. We want to do more than we've done. There's just something in us that continually says it's not enough. NFL season is in full swing, and Tom Brady wants another Super Bowl. He's going to run out of fingers and thumbs. He's going to need toes eventually, right? You know that the baseball playoffs are going on, and the Dodgers want to win another World Series. They won last night against the Giants to even the, their series. and They won last year, but they want to win again this year. NBA is about to start, and the Milwaukee Bucks won last year, but they want to win again this year. Uh, it seems like uh, Nick Saban and Alabama want to win every year until the Lord returns, right? Although the Aggies beat them last night. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Aggies had a lot of fans last night. They don't usually have, right? But uh, nonetheless, because there's something in us that just wants more than we are. There's a sociologist named Peter Berger who spoke of what's called signals of transcendence, things that are God-shaped, we would say, places in our lives where God has created something, some attribute, some characteristic that draws us to himself, and I think this is one of those. So the good news is you can have that. You today can experience that thing for which your soul longs. You today can experience that sense of significance and fulfillment and purpose for which you were made. But you have to go to the right source. Starting a series today on the I am's of Jesus. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am. 
and what follows is shocking, transformative, and historic. We'll take them in chronological order, and we're going to start that today. The bread of life. I am the bread of life. Before we get there, though, we kind of need to understand why we need to go there, why we need him rather than anything else. So look at some things in the news. Coronavirus pandemic has passed 700,000 deaths. You're hearing about vaccines for children, COVID pills. When's the last time somebody in some public forum called on America to pray? To pray for God to heal. To pray for a miraculous intervention from God. In the news continues the border crisis. Thousands more apparently on their way. When's the last time someone in some public forum, governmental business, whatever, called on Americans to pray for wisdom from God and sought what Scripture says about immigrants on one side and border security and the rule of law on the other? When last did you hear somebody do that? You've seen the chaos in Washington continue, right? The debt ceiling stuff, the infrastructure bills, all of that. When's the last time somebody in Washington called on Americans to pray for Washington, to pray for wisdom, to pray for direction from the Lord, the wisdom of Scripture? We're continuing to hear about Americans trapped in Afghanistan. How often have we been asked to pray for Americans trapped in Afghanistan? If you only read the news, you could be forgiven for thinking there is no God in the universe. And it's all about us, right? We have these signals of transcendence. We have this enormous need for that which is supernatural. But we live in a secular culture that refuses to consider the supernatural. We live in a culture that just refuses to consider the very source that our souls were made to depend on. And it doesn't work. It's not supposed to work. God didn't design a world that meets the deep need of your soul. Not supposed to work that way. C.S. Lewis makes this, I think, profound statement. The settled happiness and security we all desire, God withholds from us by the very nature of the world. Joy, pleasure, merriment, he's scattered broadcast. We're never safe, but we have plenty of fun and some ecstasy. It's not hard to see why. The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world and oppose an obstacle to our return to God. A few moments of happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends, a bath or a football match have no such tendency. Then he made this famous statement. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. So you have this God-shaped emptiness. So do I. Our hearts are restless till they rest in Him. We want more than we have and more than we are, and we can't find it in the world because we're not supposed to. So where do we go? John chapter 6 tells the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Happened right there. We take people to Israel. We always go up to this place. It's a very large field. On the, that's the Sea of Galilee you see up in the picture there on the right side. And on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee near Bethsaida, up in the northeast part, is this large field. The only one in that area large enough for 5,000 families. And it's there that Jesus fed the 5,000. You know that story. Well, the next day, the crowds he fed continue to follow him, to kind of chase him down. And so Jesus says to them the next day, this is in John 6, verse 26, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He adds, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
Where is that food? Now comes the first I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's even more emphatic in the Greek. He who comes to me shall not ever at any time ever hunger, is a literal translation. He who believes in me shall know never ever at any time thirst. That's the promise. So, practical question, how do we eat the bread of life, right? How do we experience the bread of life? Two steps. First step, admit your hunger. Admit you need more of God than you have. Admit that you need the bread only Jesus offers, and that's tough. When I became pastor at Park Cities in Dallas, I was meeting a fellow on our staff who had been there for a long time previously, and he told me about something that one of the wise elder statesmen in the church told him when he came to the church years earlier. He said, our problem is we have all of Jesus we want, not all of Jesus we need, but all of Jesus we want. I think that may apply to more than just that church. Here's what Jesus offers you. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Are you experiencing abundant life with Jesus? The Bible says, if you'll let your request be made known unto God, the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Are you experiencing that peace? Not rhetorically, are you experiencing that peace? Do you have all of God there is? Jesus said to his followers, whoever believes in me will do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Are you doing greater works? Are you experiencing the power of the omnipotent God in your life? Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Are you being his witness? When last did you share your faith? Are you standing boldly, courageously for Jesus? Settle for nothing less than God's best, than the bread of life. Admit your hunger. I'm the same way. All the sin that come short of the glory of God, we're all fallen. We all need what only he offers. Admit it. If you're not hungry, you don't think about food. If you're hungry, it's hard to think of anything else, right? Settle for nothing less. Back to C.S. Lewis. It would seem our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So admit your hunger and then go to Jesus to be filled. Look at the metaphor again. You trust him as your Savior. You meet him every morning for spiritual breakfast in his word. Meet him every morning by praying. Meet him every morning by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Make time for spiritual breakfast every day and then walk with him through the day. You know all that. We've talked about that. If you haven't asked him to be your Savior and Lord, then you don't have a relationship with the bread of life. If you do, then you have. He's as close as your next prayer. Start the day by getting with him, get alone in his word, get alone in prayer, surrender to his Holy Spirit, walk through the day with the Spirit. You know all that. He's made it so simple anybody can do it. Problem is, do we do it? 
Jesus said, I, it's emphatic, am, present tense, not could be, not will be, not might be, am, the, definite article, only bread of life. And if you're going to bread anyplace else, that's the bread of death. And you have to choose. You have to choose. In a little bit, when we're done, Jan and I are going to head back to Dallas, and we'll eat lunch along the way. A couple places we like to go. One place, if we're going to stop in uh, Mineral Wells, we'd like to eat at Mesquite Pit. We like the steaks at Mesquite Pit. Or if we make our way on further, there's a place in Arlington. We found it 40 years ago, 41 years ago after we got married. If you live in Arlington, you may know about La Copa Campo Verde. It's this Mexican place, hole in the wall, Mexican place. They started decorating for Christmas 40 years ago and never stopped. You walk in, and it's Christmas lights everywhere you look. We have this one table you usually sit at because we've got this one server we like to work with. And right above him is a deer's head with Christmas lights in the antlers. It's craziness. Everywhere you look, there's a train that runs around, an electric train that runs around the walls of this place. We love it. We started going there 40 years ago. We had no money at all. So we would split an enchilada plate and fill up on chips. Very cheap way to eat, right? And they have these chips. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what they put on them. Some kind of spice or something. I'll die five years sooner but happier as a result of their chips. And they give you salsa and they give you cheese sauce and all this kind of stuff. And we quite often stop there to eat. Well, in a little bit, we're going to have to choose because we can't do both. We can't eat at Mesquite Pit and Lucopa Campa Verde at the same time. And once we eat at one, we're not going to want to eat at the other. We have to choose. Every single minute of every single day, you're choosing where you're getting your bread. Every single day. Is Jesus not only your Savior, but your Lord? As you're making a decision, are you consulting His Word? As you're facing a challenge, an opportunity, a temptation, are you praying? If you sin, are you asking His forgiveness and restoration and cleansing? Are you staying at the table of Jesus? Or are you going someplace else? You have to choose. I don't mean this unkindly. And I don't know how to say this in a way that really conveys it in a way I really want to say it. But I've been grieving lately. Part of it, I guess, was going to Vermont and seeing how irreligious and dark that beautiful place is spiritually. But the darkness in our culture is my fault if I have the flashlight. And Jesus said to me, you're the light of the world. He said to you, you're the light of the world. I think at least some, if not most, if not maybe all, of the darkness of our culture is at least part of the fact that the church isn't being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, including me. And if there's a reason above all reasons, it's because Jesus isn't my bread of life. It's because I think I can be one way on Sunday and another on Monday. It's because I think I can have a quiet time to start the day and check the God box and go out into my day. It's because I think I can read the Word and pray to get together a sermon, but don't have to do that for my soul. It's because I buy into the delusion that if I preach sermons, I must be right with God. Or if you go to chapel, you must be right with God. If you believe in God, you must be right with God. If you have a little of God, you've got all of God. If God's got a little of you, He's got enough of you. 
I believe that if the church ever made Jesus their bread of life, the culture couldn't be the same. The world couldn't be the same. If we ate the bread of life, our lives would be so dramatically transformed that our witness, our influence, our culture couldn't be the same. I can get mad at Washington for not calling for people to pray for politicians and to pray about Afghanistan and pray about immigrants and pray about coronavirus, but how often am I doing that? How often am I doing that? I'll tell you what, if Jesus is your bread of life, he will soon be the bread of the world. If he's your bread of life. So I'll close with this. When I first began to discover all this 40 years ago, student at that Southwestern Seminary, Truett Chapel, Truett Auditorium, kind of the signature part of the campus. Janet and I got married in 1980, moved over to Arlington, started going to Lacopa to eat uh, lunch, uh, joined First Baptist Church in Arlington, uh, taught Sunday school there, sophomore uh, college Sunday school. Then we would go to church, then we would go to Lacopa for lunch, then we'd go back that afternoon. And we sponsored the youth choir, take role the youth choir, and then we'd stay for evening service. And then we'd come back on Wednesday night. I taught a youth Bible study on Wednesday night and had another thing I did there as well. Janet worked at the church until she got a teaching job in Arlington. I was a student at Southwestern Seminary, and uh, was, we were planning a life in vocational ministry. Year after we started, 1981, fall of 1981, I was in this class in spiritual formation. If you went in that main, well... I wonder why that's not up. Let's try that. That's the chapel I was, you're thinking, what chapel? What are you talking about? That's the, that's the chapel. That's the auditorium, Southwestern. If you go in the door there, main door, and kind of turn to the right and around the way, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a classroom right over there, a large classroom, and I was in there for a necessary required class in spiritual formation. They had us read books on uh, spiritual disciplines and prayer life and uh, various plans of spiritual journaling and all that is in that. First time I'd ever been around anything like that. I could tell you where I was. I could take you to the desk in the classroom, if it's still there, where I was on the day when it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was trying to grow by spiritual osmosis. Didn't mean to, didn't plan to, didn't choose it. But I had fallen into the assumption that because I was a seminary student, I was studying theology all day, and we were teaching Sunday school and going to worship and doing youth choir and doing youth Bible study and doing all this religious stuff, I must be growing spiritually. And in that, I could take you to that desk where the Holy Spirit asked me, when's the last time you read the Bible for no reason except to be with God? not to make a Bible study, not to check a quiet time box. When's the last time you prayed just to be with God? When's the last time you worshiped, not just to go to church, but to worship? Do you even remember what you sang last Sunday when you worshiped? You can't grow by osmosis. On my good days, I remember that. On my bad days, I don't. So let me ask you, would Jesus say he is your bread of life? And if not, why not? Let's pray. Take this moment, just you and the Lord, and understand that Jesus in his grace, 
He died so he could say this to you. He is your bread of life, your only bread of life. All other bread leads to death. Any place else you go, any other restaurant you choose, any other meal you sit down to is not this. You will hunger again. You will thirst again. You will never have what God alone can give. Would you decide today, would you say to Jesus today, I want you to be my bread of life. Show me what that means. Help me to make that real. Would you make that the prayer of your heart? Would you say that to Jesus right now? Now would you tell him you're going to start tomorrow by having spiritual breakfast and spiritual lunch and spiritual supper. And by getting alone with him in his word and his worship and prayer just to be with him, would you tell him that? Would you tell him that every time you get hungry spiritually, emotionally, morally, that you'll go to him, make him your bread? And then last, would you thank him for being your bread of life? Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're offering me today, for what you're offering us today. I thank you for the transforming difference that we will experience when we take up this offer, when we take you at your word, when we step out by faith and say, you are my bread of life. May that be true for me and us, and may we never be the same. I pray for me and for us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.